Warning, this podcast contains adult topics and themes as well as explicit language. If you are under the age of 18 or bothered by sexual topics, then this podcast is not for you. For everyone else, enjoy. Hi, I'm Frank. And I'm Shelly. And this is the Oh You Were Serious podcast, where we talk about the ups and downs of navigating a marriage that has never followed a traditional path. From emotional affairs and less-than-ethical outlooks and situationships to where we are now, growing together in a much more ethical manner. Join us as we explore how much communication makes the difference in making a marriage work or letting it fall apart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Frank. Rochelle. And we are the Oh, You Were Serious podcast. A kind of reoccurring theme in this podcast is going to be how we don't know what we're doing. Um, and that is part of communication <laughs> and being growing. Lots of growth, lots of communication, lots of laughing. Hopefully, not too much crying. There's gonna be some though. So, where do we start off on this? Well, we've been married for eleven years now. Um, <laughs> we got married pretty young. We did. We were twenty when we got married. Um, got married rather quickly. Three weeks. Yeah. Well, we've known each other since we were fourteen. But that doesn't change how long we were dating before we got married. Very true. And we were both each other's rebounds. Yep. I had just left a three-year long relationship. And I was just coming off of a year-long relationship with a girl that was lived a little ways away from me. So uh, it was more of an emotional relationship, less of a physical relationship. She was a little more conservative than I was. Um, and things did not end on the best of terms. There was some confusion, some miscommunication between me and her, and uh, that led to me and you meeting up. It was all a Facebook picture that you had commented on. Um, and like I said, I was out of a three-year relationship with my oldest son's dad. Um, so there was a lot to unpack there. But Why unpack when you can rebound, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, we kind of started talking from there. And your taste in men should be mentioned as not being that great because at the time I was homeless and living in my best friend's spare bedroom. And I had just left in an, an abusive relationship in all honesty. Not so much physical, but very emotional. Um, and he had an addiction. And when we started our relationship, you were quite literally getting ready to move 600 miles away. Yeah, that was a set in stone thing I had already had it planned out to where I was leaving the state that I lived in and I wasn't in a term. So in hindsight, the rebound probably just looked like to you a quick fling before you moved on with your life. Yeah, it did. Um, and your mom was actually one of the reasons it didn't stay that way. Yeah, I think a week before, no, it would have been exactly two weeks before you moved. Um, you came to me and jokingly suggested that I uh, move with you yeah. in Ohio. And uh, I was like, well, why not? So we drove to Waffle House that morning and I put in my two weeks notice and my boss looked at me like I was absolutely fucking crazy because nowhere on the radar had I talked about moving to Ohio. I talked about moving to Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I'm near Atlanta transferring Waffle Houses and that had not gone the way it was supposed to. And uh, so when I came to her, on, 
it would have been exactly two day, two weeks before the sixth and told her that I was putting in my two weeks notice, she was a little bit caught off guard, to say the least. Yeah, and I was leaving a job I had been at since I was 16. But when I came, but you had already set that in stone. Oh, yeah. It was already put in. in and you yeah, well before two weeks before you were moving. Right. So when I came out of the Waffle House, having put in my two weeks notice, your response was... Oh, you were serious. And at that point, I still couldn't believe it myself that I was. Um, but as I said before, I was basically homeless, living in my best friend's mom's spare bedroom and working a minimum wage job that was not particularly taking me anywhere. And even though I was trading the job I had for the exact same job in a different state, it came with significant pay increases. And uh, plus, there was a beautiful woman that wanted me to move with her. So, like, big plus. Now, on the other side of that, there were a lot of things I had not taken into account yet. Um, you had an almost two-year-old. I was single with no children. And I had no real experience being a parent. So that was something I jumped into without giving much thought. But at the time, I was deer in the headlights with you. And it seemed like the thing to do. Which led to you actually going and us trying to find jobs up there. With a speeding ticket hanging over my head. That, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, but before we even got to the looking for a job part, we got up there with about, what, $70 to our name? Yeah, it wasn't a lot at all. And uh, what was the, what was it we decided to spend that $70 on? Marriage certificate. It was the day after we moved up there, and we were literally staying with your mom. And I think I approached you under the door frame, leading in her bedroom, I was kissing on you and I made the comment that there wasn't a girl in this world dumb enough to marry me. And you said bets. <laughs> and I'm not one to step down from a bet, so within two days we were standing at a park in the outskirts of Cincinnati with an oddball gypsy lady, priestess woman, who came with some recommendations online, but mostly an affordable price tag. Right, and then we had uh, my cousin, who I roped into being a witness, because we needed one of those, and of course, our son was there. But beyond the people present at the actual wedding ceremony, nobody else knew that we were getting married, except for my mom and sister, who were in Georgia, and I had contacted them to make sure they were okay with us getting married. On the day we did, um, it was the anniversary of my father's death, and my thought process was, well, take a day with bad memories and give that day good memories. Oh, there were some other thought processes that went into it other than the fact that we were getting married on super short notice and it was right there, but that was kind of a thing there. Oh. Right. My parents had absolutely no idea. For months afterwards. Yeah. Um. Until a nosy cousin went rummaging through your Glove box found our marriage license, and I think at that point everybody in your family just about freaked out. Yeah, they. My Except mom, for your dad, who still did. Oh. Yeah, my dad didn't know <laughs> because he lived in Georgia still, and my mom was so pissed because we lived with her and didn't say anything at all. She had no idea. Now, on the other side of that, if we had said something, would she have been particularly happy? No, she would have tried to stop us. Now is a completely different story, but... I answered like 10 years, but she likes me now. Yeah. He was 
very angry that I didn't go to her to let her know. Which is understandable. As a parent, I get it. But at the time, I was like, to avoid any kind of confrontation with my parents, it was something I wanted to do, and I was going to do it regardless of what people were said. Right. Keeping your personal life separate from your business life and uh, family was considered business life. And that's just a terrible way to look at things. Right. As we will talk about again and again, because... Your personal life and your family life should definitely intertwine. Right. Not just with your direct family, but with your family as a whole. And realizing that sooner probably could have helped us out a little bit. Probably, but I don't think we would be where we are without... The struggles we went through? Yes. That's very, very true. But a support system is always... Always useful. Yeah, it is. It's definitely easier when you have people to lean on. So, four weeks into our marriage that nobody knew about, you called me at work, letting me know that you had taken some pregnancy tests. And all of them came back positive. Yeah. Yeah, that was when we were pregnant with our second child. um, And I was nervous. I was very nervous. I knew how to parent, but I didn't know how to parent two children. And I was just starting to get used to the one we already had. Uh, The one that was already a year and a half old and was starting to talk in coherent sentences and communicate in ways that Obviously, a newborn can't. Right. So, I had absolutely no idea what I was in for. Um, And I remember having a little bit of a panic attack, per se, going back and sitting in the dry area of the Waffle House with my head in my hands, thinking, what the hell am I going to do? You know, we just started down this path, um, and we're already jumping to level 50 with it, which, in a lot of ways, I don't think I was fully ready for. Right. Which led to... A lot of bad decisions on my part, at least in the direct following months. Uh, We weren't interacting very much with anybody outside of each other and the people we worked with. We didn't have any kind of friend system in place or anything. Um, And I ended up getting closer than I should have with one of the women I worked with. Right. So you were laying on the couch asleep um, and your phone went off. So I checked it. I was like, okay, let's make sure it's not anything serious or nobody needs him. And when I looked at the text message, she had called you baby in the text. And I flew off the handle. Pretty sure I slapped you awake. And I know I yelled at you for it. I accused you of a lot of things. Like, I was angry. I was so angry. And honestly, it took me a long time to realize that some of those accusations weren't too far off point. Um... See, for me, I don't remember the couch incident. I remember we were driving to Eastgate and my phone went off. And she did call me baby, but it was something along the lines of I love you. And yeah. No, I, well, I, I remember the couch incident. I don't remember the Eastgate incident. But, you know, we were fresh into our marriage. And 
fresh into coming out of relationships. So it was a very hard thing to read when somebody is messaging your new husband calling him baby and you know saying things that you know you're you're supposed to say to your wife or to your spouse not somebody you work with right and that was probably i don't know i was just very angry and that was an extremely long time ago we've both come a long way since then and if we're perfectly honest a lot of my brain cells have been eaten up by drugs in the years past so my memory is a bit fuzzy on some things, right. but at this point, I can say that by all tokens of account, I was having an emotional affair. Right, and that didn't help with the rumors that were going around at your place of employment either. Yeah, it was pretty obvious to everybody that I was closer to her there than I was with the majority of the other workers, uh, or at least the other workers that weren't old enough to be my mother <laughs> Yeah, and viewed me as such. Uh, to the point that when we ended up moving back to Georgia, which I'm not sure we can talk about all the reasons why we ended up having to move back to Georgia, um, but the rumor at work was I was leaving because I had gotten this girl pregnant, and you had found out about it, and you were moving me away so that uh, I wouldn't be with her and the baby. And that was not the case at all. Like, there was no truth to that rumor. Oh, no, she was a mother of three. She had already had her tubes out. There was not a... <laughs> Not a possibility inside of that, but that was what the rumor mill concocted. Right. And and, and for the rumor mill to concoct something like that, it's very obvious to me that my behavior was well beyond the means of an appropriate work relationship. Right. But you didn't realize that back then. It was like later on when you, you know. Well, even, I won't say, I can't say that I didn't know that I shouldn't have been talking to her that way. Obviously, you and I didn't have any kind of arrangement we didn't have any kind of agreement. There was not, you know, there was no topic on the table of other people being involved in our relationship. Right. Or with either one of us outside of our relationship. So, yeah. And it was right around that time that we actually took the first steps into a lifestyle that would eventually lead us into the world of non-monogamy and eventually polyamory. Right. I had always been interested in kink. It um, had always appealed to me. I'd never been with anybody that had practiced it or, you know, had any interest in it at all. But I did express to you that I liked to be tied up and I liked the thought of, you know, going out of the normal sex scene. See, and I was raised being taught you don't hit women. So here I am in every other situation that the same thing had been brought up to me because you weren't the first girl to approach me uh, about kink style. Um, at least two of the girls that I was sexually involved with as a teenager had brought up the idea. And I'm not going to lie, it freaked the fuck out of me. You want me to choke you? Like, what? That, you know, choking can cause death. And I'm over here going, will you please at least try for me? Because um, it was a major turn on for me. And I was still figuring out, you know, what I liked in sex because I had only been having sex since I was 16 and it was with consistent people people I had long relationships with so I was never I don't know if you allowed would be the word but I was never really allowed to explore what I like and see as a teenager I was too busy running around trying to find any place I could to get at it with the girl I was with that 
adding extracurricular activities like spanking and paddling and tying up trees and all that stuff was never really in the picture because if you got to get dressed in a hurry, you can't be working with all these extra tools and such. But, um, and really before you, the closest I came to being interested in kink, um, the really conservative girl I was with right before you and her mother read the Fifty Shades books and that lit something of a fire. I'm going to go ahead and just say this now. My love of kink did not come from Fifty Shades of Kink. Oh, mine didn't either. I couldn't make it past the contract, but. I, well, contract, no, well, we're not going to have that <laughs> now. But I had never read Fifty Shades. I didn't talk to anybody about Fifty Shades of Grey because I didn't really care about, you know, it being a book. It was just something that I had thought about since I was a teenager. So my curiosity and kink didn't stem from a sexualized book. My eventual entrance into the world of kink did not either. I, like I said, I couldn't make it past the contract. Um, I've read some pretty kinky books since then, but... I'm going to be honest with you, it's mostly the, the fairy magic and sword fights that keep you <laughs> listening to those. So, But uh, we went to, I think I was at a smoke shop, and they mentioned they had an adult toy store upstairs, and I went upstairs, and I got the absolute cheapest set of restraints and a flogger and walked into the bedroom like Billy Badass. Yeah, those, those restraints sucked. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the flogger fell apart. <laughs> and you had no clues how to clue how to use a flogger. No clue at all. <laughs> so it was us trying to explore this world of kink and us not have even, you know, thought about research or anything see, along those lines. Nowadays, when you bring an interest up to me, I'm diving balls deep onto YouTube and podcasts, uh, looking at Pornhub, trying to figure out exactly what it is you're wanting me to do and how I can come up with a way to do it. I put the Lowe's credit card to work. <laughs> Right, DIY stuff for you. Well, because uh, you're part of kink that you're really interested in, or that you're you feel more drawn to, is completely different than what I want out of you. Yeah, the side of kink per se that draws me in the most is not necessarily a kinky part of any lifestyle. It's the taboo of having more than one partner. Right, and whereas mine is being a submissive and having no control. Which I have, I feel like I've grown in my ability to be a dominant in a sexual relationship. Um, it has taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of research. Uh, I have listened to a ridiculous number of YouTubers and podcasters talk about different methods and different things. And uh, the month leading up to you being collared was just absolutely insanity on my uh, all of my algorithms trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to do your ceremony, what kind of color I needed to get you. Right. What my expectations of you of you could be realistically, knowing that the 24-7 lifestyle, I imagine coming with a collar isn't practical having four kids working a day job all the time. Right. So that has been a learning process, but I think I've come a long way. You have that. You have um, your ability to go into the research that you do and to focus on, you know, the task at hand helps a lot with that. It really does, because um, you've taught me a lot of things along the way too. Um, whereas I don't dive into research the way you do, I do more of um, by experience than by reading and research. 
And see, I didn't realize how far on to the research I really needed to lean until I started succeeding, where it seemed like when I tried to just wing it and go with the flow and learn by experience that uh, in a lot of ways I would fall flat or we would not go into the situation with the tools that we needed to maintain ourselves through those situations. Right. And... Since I've started researching things and learning about things before just jumping into them, I mean, we've, uh, in the last 11 years of our marriage, with, you know, we keep saying 11 years of our marriage, but it won't be 11 years until January. Yeah, I know. We're we're at that point, though. It's just 11 years. Like, at this point, we've passed the 10-year mark. So it's, it's 2023 right now when we're recording this, and we got married January 8th of 2013. So... In the last 11 years of our marriage, we've come a long way from you telling me you want me to choke you and tie you up to, I mean, at this point, we've gone to kink parties. We've gone to swinger parties. We've had a girlfriend. Uh, we've made porn where I was pissing on your face. Like, yeah. it's, it's, and sold it on the internet. So we've come a long way in all of that. And along the way, we've discovered things about ourselves that we didn't expect at first. Um, we went into it with the mindset that I was going to be your dominant and you my submissive. And we've since learned that I am through and through a switch. And I am still a submissive. Very much so. You are not well equipped for taking the dominant role. You have been done, known to do it from time to time, and I do enjoy it. Very much so. Um, it's very hard for me to get into a dominant headspace. Um, I can slip into subspace very easily. I, For me, I feel like I have to take control a lot, um, especially with you working opposite shifts, which that'll be changing soon. But with I have to take control of the kids. And at work, I'm put in a position to where I'm higher than some other people that I work with. So I like to give up every bit of that control and being a submissive does that. And it's a way for me to enjoy myself. It's a very big turn on for me to be able to please you and to worship you and to submit. It is a major turn on. I like to make sure that you're taken care of. And you've noticed that a lot of things. I'm like, you came, I'm okay. I'm good, but you did. Or even if, well, I tell you all the time nowadays. And looking back at it, I'm not. I'm not going to say I've always been this way, but to a degree, I can see that maybe the orgasm isn't the end game for me. It's it's the experience, however minor or major. There doesn't have to be an orgasm involved. It's just being with you in that moment. Right. But I don't see it that way a lot. Um, I like to know that what I'm doing makes you happy in that sense. And sometimes like it, an orgasm, you know, kind of lets me know, hey, he really liked that. So it's a kind of different mindset for both of us. Because once I come, my body's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Like I have nothing left to give you. It's it's done, and especially if I'm in such. Oh, I'm telling you time and time again, that's not the case, though. But it feels like it. <laughs> but if, right up until like make you come again. Yeah. And again. Yeah. And again. But 
<laughs> but for me, it it was a couple of it, it took me a while to put myself at ease with the idea of trying to switch. And when I finally did it, it kind of scared me a little bit how easily I can slip into subspace. Um, and now since I've been in my current position at my job now, uh, it's been a little bit easier because I'm in charge of people all day at work. And to come home and hand the reins over to you and tell you have at it can be extremely relaxing. But I also recognize that that's not your headspace. And, but it does come oddly easy to me, which I guess makes sense considering how much work I have to put into being a dominant. Right. When I want to do a scene with you, there's usually quite a bit of preparation that goes into it. There is. There's a lot. Because our scenes are usually very intense when we do those. Um, and we, and we plan those out. Like borderline shouldn't be tried by amateurs. Like it's (laughs) a little risky sometimes. But we, we practice safely. So I think we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up this first episode. We just kind of wanted to give y'all an introduction to where we started off. Obviously, um, trying to go back 11 years, there was not a lot we could recall specifically, but going forward in our episodes they're a little fresher in our mind um i think our next episode we're gonna dive into our first experience with threesomes which happened in 2014 and we'll be moving through our different experiences like the king clubs and the girlfriend and our new and old experiences in swinging however we may have interpreted them at the time we will be talking a lot about things that have gone horribly awry and we'll be talking about the reasons why we decided to give non-monogamy another shot so we hope you'll come along with us as we revisit these experiences we've had and discuss the growth that has come with them um we look forward to sharing how we've gotten to where we are now and we welcome you to follow as our journey continues i love you and i love you and if any of our viewers or listeners would like to uh, reach out to us, feel welcome to send us an email at ouyouwereserious2023 at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this and plan on following along, please like and subscribe or subscribe or whatever it is on the platform that you're listening to us on. 